0: Okay, we're live. Welcome to the Magic Minds Podcast. I'm Matt Bork. Today is Wednesday the 31st of November. Normally the podcast goes out on a Monday, so apologies for that. The reason that that didn't happen is because I am in Thailand. I'm currently in the Durham Dang Hotel, Koh San Ro, Bangkok, Thailand. So the show is being edited and produced in Thailand. I'm currently sitting at the poolside in the hotel. It's 35 degrees, and it's absolutely roasting. On the show today, we have the amazing Becky Woods. Becky Woods is a speech and language therapist in the National Rehabilitation Hospital. It so it's absolutely deadly to have Becky on the show today. Becky is a speech and language therapist in the, in the hospital, but she's also a triathlete. So we cover lots of stuff today regarding our professional career and also our personal passion, which is is exercise training running triathlons so becky is an awesome human being and uh we cover lots of things in this show you know such as our training nutrition our mindset our approach to life you know it was a really really motivational inspirational interview i love it i love actually spending time with the likes of becky you know you you, you always leave after gaining so much knowledge from our inspiration she's just a good person to be around you know so hopefully you will enjoy the interview just as much as i did you know even just listening back when i was like oh that was brilliant i love spending time around hopefully as i say you get that when you listen to the interview so hopefully you enjoy the interview and uh, I'm hoping to do a couple of interviews over here in Thailand. I'm looking to maybe interview a Thai boxer. So when I get down to, say, Chiang Mai, I'm hoping to do some Thai boxing classes. Maybe I'll be able to interview a, a fighter down there, have a chat room about his approach to training, you know, his mindset, nutrition, whatever I can gain from that. I'm also looking to maybe even interview a transgender person, or what they call over here, uh, a ladyboy. You know, I'm really fascinated how the whole process works, uh, you know, the, you know, getting insight to, to their life. And then I'd love to maybe interview somebody spiritual, maybe somebody interested in meditation, a monk. Or I will do, also, I'm going to plan on recording my insights to traveling alone to Thailand. I've never traveled alone before, so hopefully uh, I can do a little interview with myself, waffle on for a while and uh, record that, tell you how I'm getting on day by day. Uh, so look, have a listen to Becky Woods and get in contact. Let us know how you enjoy the show. Have a great day. And as always, mind yourself. On the show today is my special guest, Becky Woods, speech and language therapist from the National Rehabilitation Hospital. Becky, what's the crack?
1: Matt, how are you? Thanks for having me.
0: I am absolutely delighted to have you on the show.
1: Well, you know what? I've been hearing so much about it from my colleagues in the hospital. So, yeah, I'm interested to see how this flows, how it rolls.
0: It's going to be awesome. No, like,
1: you know what? I have no date with someone like you on the other end of the mic.
0: Oh, you're such a nice person. <laughs> I need more people like you on the show. Well, look, I've asked Becky to come on the show. One, because she's a, an SLT, Speech and Language therapist from the hospital. So we're going to have a look at what that's all about. But also, I'm interested in her background because she's a phenomenal athlete, uh, triathlete, runner. And also, she's such an amazing advocate for running. I nearly went out and ran when you're doing a talk in the hospital one day. And that's like, that's not, ever. I'd sooner stick a live wasp down my pants and go running. And you got me to nearly go running. I was like, what are you thinking? Well, you I must was, be crazy.
1: I was told, just aim for Matt. If you're going to get anybody to run, go for Matt. Oh, you
0: should be, you should be a secondhand car salesman. you was like, sell, sell, sell. I was like, yeah, running sounds amazing. I'm like, stop, what are you thinking? You need, it's like, Get me into follow Jesus. I
1: wouldn't mind taking that on. That's my job.
0: <laughs> no, you've got a great attitude to uh, t- to running, and you're a great advocate for exercise. As I said to you earlier, we were talking. There's people in life radiators and drainers, and you're one of the radiators in the hospital. So I'm delighted to spend some time. No, Matt, you?
1: it takes one to know one. Oh, if you, so got, so if if you, your buddy. If, you,
0: if you got it, <laughs> if you see, it, you got it. Isn't that what you say? I love that. <laughs> yeah, that's. Are we tr- stealing
1: all your sayings, or mottos. that was the earlier one?
0: The one I loved, the You can't fly one. like an eagle if you're surrounded by turkeys. Yeah,
1: that's. I'm writing that down when we leave here today. I just keep
0: uh, throwing out platitudes and sayings, will be for the next hour? I
1: need a notebook then. Yeah, write <laughs> that
0: down. Right, so come here. SLT, uh, International Rehabilitation. What is an SLT? For people that don't listen to the show, or people that don't know what that is, what is an SLT, Speech and Language Service?
1: I think it's pretty timely that you've asked me that question because I just had 12 TY students that asked me the same question this morning. Um, normally I revert this back. And I ask you to give me a little bit of insight as to what you think it is first. Oh, ah, Jesus! So, but I won't do that to you, Matt, because you're supposed to be on the other side of the mic. So it kind of is what the title says. And um, we help people, especially here in this hospital, who have acquired a speech difficulty. So particularly the way their speech sounds, because they might have weakened muscles of the lips, the jaw, the mouth, the tongue. So their speech might not say in the same ways it did prior to their accident. And then the language component is. Um, can you understand all the words you used to understand before your accident? Can you understand when those words are put into sentences, into paragraphs, into conversation, and then it's a fast-flowing conversation with your peers? Can you keep up movies? So that's all the understanding side. But then you have the expression side of language. Can you say all the words you want to say? Can you find your friend's name? Can you name that item on the table? And when you, if you can, can you put those into sentences? Can you put those sentences into conversation so you can talk to your mate about the football match last night? Do you know about the run you went on yesterday? Can you go running and talk? Keep up a conversation with your mate as you're running. So that's the two main components. But then the other side, which we also deal with, is the swallow, so dysphagia. So sometimes when you've had an accident, you lose the ability to swallow because then once again the muscles of the mouth are weak. And so it's our role to strengthen them up again and support the patient as much as possible to um, to either speak Talk, um, swallow, live the best life they can. Deadly. Yeah, that's why it's pretty cool.
0: Deadly. I done an interview with a with a former patient He's now became a friend of mine, gotcha. and he had a he had a stroke, and he developed aphasia.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, who came up with the word aphasia? He was like, for somebody to <laughs> have a speech and language difficulties, the word aphasia. It doesn't look like aphasia, it doesn't, and it's really difficult to say. Where did that come out of aphasia?
1: You know what we always say? If the person with the language difficulties can say that word by the time they leave, we've succeeded. Oh, no mess. And Tony made that up just there. <laughs> it's funny. In speech <laughs> and language particularly, we have the most awkward words to pronounce. So aphasia is only one of them, Matt. But the speech difficulty I was telling you about is called dysarthria.
0: Dysarthria?
1: Like, how is a person with weak mouth supposed to say that? Um, the swallowing difficulty is called dysphagia. Okay. There's another kind of motor speech difficulty called apraxia but you know what I actually I think we're big advocates in speech and language to not label somebody anyway so you won't see us utilizing those labels to the max we like to describe the person we like to describe their strengths describe the areas that they might need help with and the label is there I suppose so people can have a better understanding of what it is we're describing um but you won't see us utilizing the label as often because you don't want to be defined. Like, I don't want to be defined as Becky the speech and language therapist or Becky the triathlete. I want to be defined as, oh, Becky, you know, she's a cool person over there, like, chatting to her. Do you know what I mean?
0: Benjamin Button, she's ageless.
1: <laughs> so I've been told. Yeah, yeah, ageless. For, I'm not going to tell these guys a story I told you about <laughs> The petrol attendant. No,
0: no, I'll just release that. When I do the wrap up of the show, I'll, I'll, I'll release that information unless you pay me. Uh, do you know what it was taken back? And it's brilliant that you guys are involved in signage in the hospital. Like, yeah, you know, cool. you you say speech and language, people think oh, it's all about talking and listening. Uh, but the fact that you are mindful of how posters are, are uh, displayed sure, yeah. and for people with because people think it's just a it's a it's a mechanical thing or it's a brain thing. But people see things visually and, like, as I say, my friend Derek, yeah. like, he sees numbers. It'll take him a few minutes to go one nine oh, and you go 19-20 or whatever.
1: There you go, yeah. And it's like you've just said, you actually just have given the answer yourself. So the language component of aphasia, it's not just speaking and understanding. Well, it is. But part of understanding is reading. Part of speaking is an output, so is writing. So people have kind of difficulty with reading so what you might think is a simple word to them it's you know the most confusing thing in the world there was a story um of a patient before that was having a shower and um they had a bottle of shampoo and a bottle of conditioner and they were unable to read that simple single word that they had seen for their entire life because of the accident they couldn't understand those words anymore they didn't recognize which was which so they had to taste the components of the bottles to try to grasp or try or smell them, even to see which is which, to know which one to use first, which one to use second. So that's why we love have we love being asked to be a part of that's things fantastic. like the signage in the hospital. But I think it's our so it's a huge part of our role, part of our remit, to um, help patients access that written word as well, or access anything to do with communication
0: yeah I, I, nothing resonated with me more when we were having the chats and he said he was in a bar trying to get a drink mm-hmm. and the barman was like you know buzzing around right do you want a drink and he goes yeah give us a pint of and he cut the word just wouldn't come out and your man was like come on buddy i don't have all day and he was like hold on a minute i'm just having a bit of a difficulty here and if you play ball with me i'll play ball with you and he was like hoining and he said it took him forever and it, I was like, wow, but your man just wouldn't give him the patience and I just felt for him. And I understand and the barman's point of view, you know, he just thinks some fellas locked, but just yeah, he couldn't find that word. True, that especially
1: l- if you're in a bar. But a big part of our role then is to educate the others. So it's fifty fifty. Communication is reciprocal. Fifty oh, percent is on the person maybe with the difficulty, but fifty percent is on us. And we have to make we have to be the supportive facilitators to enable that person to, you know, find that word, put that word into a sentence. Um, so I think that's fantastic and the big thing about aphasia like your friend is their intellect is intact they know what they want to say they, it's like the tip of the tongue phenomena sometimes with people all they need is time and the fact that he could advocate for himself that's pretty cool that's
0: yeah. Awesome. yeah oh yeah he's an amazing guy yeah, he lost his language and but he went on and he's he's back speaking and he has difficulties when he writes poems some beautiful poems he's one of the first interviews Derek Cummins is name he's fantastic man okay. fantastic man yeah. He's a legend, he's a legend. Come here. What led you down the road of SLT? What would you choose that route?
1: Do You know what? I've been asked that question before and um I, I you know you, you probably already know this. I was when I was in school, I kind of liked everything. Um there wasn't one subject I didn't like. I would throw myself into whatever whatever class came next. I just gave it everything. So by the time it came to looking at the CAO, sure I could have chosen any course. Um, I would have been happy probably giving anything a shot. But I went into an open day in Trinity. And I just started chatting to this girl who happened to be manning the speech and language therapy table. And that girl was just sound as a pound. She just spoke to you like a normal person um, on a real kind of level. Um, even though she was this college student and I was only a, f- a fifth year student. It didn't really matter. And she was really sound. So she got me thinking about speech and language therapy. So then I went and looked at the prospectus. And it just covered everything. It covered things from linguistics to stats, so a bit of maths in there to physiology and anatomy, so the science components oh, to psychology, love it. Love it. yeah, but like the mind. Um, it touched on everything that I would have liked about school, and so to me, it simulated that school experience. Except this was a step, the next step. So I actually just threw myself into the course, and I tell someone that I was clinical tutor for the students, the secondary the third level students that come into us in the hospital and you know I very openly say to them I didn't really know what speech and language therapy was until my fourth year and all of a sudden everything was just consolidated and I was like this job is unreal and I was happy that I didn't know exactly what it was that nobody else led me down the path that I kind of had to figure it out for myself along the way and yeah haven't looked back since absolutely love it
0: jeez I'm just listening to you there and going so I should have done that that's fantastic because I love well, science love psychology there you go love yeah. the brain injury love yeah it sounds well, like a fantastic do you know because my uh,
1: I've got a twin and we were both the same and so she's ended up being she was a chemical engineer turned maths teacher and I'm the kind of the more the language person and people are like oh so you were the real language person in school and she was the real kind of mathematician and I'm there going no actually do you know I actually could have been the mathematician and she could have been the speech and language therapist we were all really chilled out by what we wanted to do and oh, we just yeah. said hey we'll we'll go to different colleges we'll do different things and we'll see how it rolls and it worked out well so yeah it was good
0: yeah is that driven by your parents that kind of a leave you off let you do what you want kind of attitude well
1: they had five of us so I think they were like get rid of them let's have my medicine
0: I worry about what the first one did, but the rest of them are like, ah, fuck it, <laughs> let them do whatever they want. I
1: think my parents are pretty dedicated people, do you know. I and mean, when they started something, they were definitely they followed through. So I think they instilled that in us. So I think even if we hated it, we probably would have followed through with it. Yeah, do you know,
0: for the best. <laughs> have a go, heroes. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Come here, you're a runner.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, allegedly, was a runner.
0: Yes. How so, did you? When did you start with the running? And give us a little insight to that.
1: Um, well I suppose I was a sporty kid ever since uh, maybe about four well sorry I was a competitive sporty kid from about the age of four to five so I started as a swimmer and I would have been in all the usual big competitions swimming at nationals and um,
0: what was the distance?
1: so I would have been like 50 metres 100 metres because when you're that young they don't get you to go too much further you know as a swimmer Um, and then kind of approaching secondary school that's when all those kind of camps start for young people so the sports camps and normally when you're around 9 10 11 you can start going to them so myself and um my twin would throw ourselves into any camp that there was um but the running the running started actually now that i think about it from the community games do you know the community games yeah everybody participates in them so, uh, yeah, we started in the community games and I would always do, say, the 600 metres. My twin would do the 100 metres and we were just trying to win as many medals as we could. But I think we had that competitiveness instilled in us from the swimming. So when we got to running and we started winning at community games. We were like, this is pretty, like, if you, if, you, if if you're winning, you tend to like the sport. So then we pretty much begged our parents if we could join a running club. And they were like, "Sure, yeah, let's go for it." Um, so we get them joined. Get the gaff. Get the <laughs> I know. So we joined uh, of Harriers, and at that stage, we had just started secondary school. And sure, in secondary school, you know, you have all the big competitions. Um, there's the cross country, the road racing, the track racing. You have indoors, so it was just everything that you wanted to do. And we had the most phenomenal coach in secondary school, actually. Um, Who's actually now a coordinator in DCU and he just, you know, took us under his wing. And when you have someone like that that's mentoring you, you tend to love the sport a little bit more. And you got off school all the time, you know.
0: Perks of the so, job.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, I just um, I had a great, I had great girls around me. I had a great coach. And I think when the environment is right, you end up loving what you do a bit more. So in, I remember when we swam, you were praying in the morning that your parents' alarm clock wouldn't go off so you wouldn't have to go swimming. Or <laughs> you were praying when you came home from school that dad wouldn't come home from work so he wouldn't be able to give you a lift swimming in the evenings. That's a sign, but, isn't you it? You know, that's a big sign. But running was never like that with me. Running, I woke myself up in the mornings before school to get myself out so I could do whatever it was, 5k, 10k, get the miles in before your school day. And then after school day, I'd throw the car my mom, throw my bag my mom's car even though she was only coming to collect me, Sarah might be off doing something else. And so she'd go home my bag and I'd run home, do you know. So everything was definitely, I was a lot more autonomous with running and I was a lot more in control and chose when I wanted to do it. And I think when you really like something and it's important to you, you ultimately get better at it. And the better you get, the further you want to go, do you know. Um, so that's how I got into it, yeah.
0: Wow, I'm just having deja vu here. Uh, I'm thinking back to a talk that you've done in Deanna H. <laughs> you've t- done a talk on running. And as you know, I'm only interested in working my disco muscles. In <laughs> Strength training is my my gig, and I was nearly—I was like—nearly gone out and buying a pair of running shoes. And right now, I'm thinking, running actually doesn't sound too bad. And I'm like, I might give it a go again. But I'm going, no, nah, stop, you <laughs> Do
1: you know what? Before I go into that, like, running is actually—it's an unreal sport because I have switched to triathlons, which we'll probably talk about later. Yeah, definitely. And I—I I definitely reflect back when I was just a runner, and it is the easiest sport to do. You don't need anything besides a pair of runners. Do you know, and I, I, I wish I appreciated that at the time. You just leave your house, and by the time you come back, it's just what you've done. That's the only time you've used in your day. Do you know what I mean?
0: It's It's, like, it's like somebody saying to me, "It's easy to make a terrible suit. <laughs> I'm like, "What? But running is see, easy? What? What? No, there's about twenty five barriers going up right now." But this it's is cold, why, this It's cold. <laughs> I people, totally get that. Yeah, but right. this is why I
1: wanted to do the talk. Well, actually, Rose, um, I talked. I was talking to Rose Curtis one day about running. And so, yeah, we just kind of got got into it. And I realised from that, I came away from that talk, just realising that, gosh, not everybody likes running like I do. Not everybody sees it as something easy like I do. No. And there's so many myths and fears around the sport, which essentially is just walking a bit faster, lifting your feet off the ground a bit more. So I think that inspired me definitely to put together that particular presentation that I did. Give um, us a
0: bit of an insight to that presentation. Like obviously, they're, they're sure that are not i
1: Rack my brain here, I'm trying to remember it. Um, I can't remember what it was called, but it was about um, conquering the seven fears of running. Cool. And I think that, um, I suppose, when I listen to my friends, my colleagues, my family, and they want to go out for a run. Anytime I hear the word run, I also hear a fear and an excuse in the same sentence. And I totally get it. Like, I do get it. Um, But I always want to be the one that helps them overcome that fear. And I want them to just lace up and go do it and not think too much. So one of the examples I gave um, in the talk was, remember that Friends episode with Phoebe? You know, I'm going to look weird. And that resonates with me because my, my older sister would have always said, you know, I'm going to look weird if I go out for a run. You know, there's so many cars. Nobody, the only person that cares about that person running is yourself. You think the whole world is looking at you, and I can tell you, the people in the cars are focused on where they're going. Hopefully, the other runners that you might pass or that might pass you don't even see you there because they're so concentrated on themselves. Which is what I love about running because you got to get into your own head, or you or you get to not think at all. And that's what I was trying to convey at that talk that. If you think you're weird running, yeah, embrace it. Because nobody else is going to see that besides you. Um, the other one was the fear of injury. And I think a lot of people, especially the old, um, people that are that little bit older, that might not have run a lot in their younger years, are petrified of getting injured. Which I also totally get. Injury happens to everybody at the be- anybody at the best times. <coughs> and, um, you know, it's just about giving them the understanding of how to prevent that. You know, everything's preventable. Not everything particularly when injuries are preventable if you are kind of equipped with the knowledge the know-how and so what I did that day was I suppose let them know how to ease ease their way into running I, I think a lot of people can see their mates that are off doing this time of the year god every morning I'm like I hear my friends go I just did my long run and I'm like god how long is that and they're like oh um oh sure 20 miles I don't don't even do 20 miles so my jaw drops even when I hear that so imagine as a runner if I went into 20 miles I'd even get injured so if you're a person that hasn't done any running at all and if you try to jump into a 5k that's not going to that's not going to finish well you got to start off small and that's what I was trying to convey I try to give them the tools as to how to get started you know so they were just two things I could go on but I'll just give the talk again
0: <laughs> no I thought it was fantastic and no what, what did you take from it can uh, you
1: can you remember it? what was the key thing you came away with that been, that
0: from that would definitely be the go easy you made it you made it accessible to non-runners so I class myself as a non-runner I am a non-runner what do we class well, you you're are a lifter like disco muscle expert yeah. uh, <laughs> so no I took it away that it, it's do you know what just start yeah. just start you know you just need runners but probably as well as your enthusiasm you sold it like we talked about rose and all that she's so suited to Mm -hmm. her job you was a runner you stood there and advocated as a runner and and that's the beauty when somebody stands there and gives you that passion you go, wow i I buy it i believe it and yeah just go and take it easy it's not about the 5ks Mm -hmm. it's not about 10ks it's just going out and run walk for a little bit do a little bit of run because people straight away when you say run they think I'm not doing the 5k, I'm not doing the 10k. I said, didn't even say that, you know. Or, like when I say go to the gym, just
1: torn up. Just, just go for it. Don't overthink it. Torn like, up. I get a lot of athletes that say, OK, Bex, I'm ready. I bought a Garmin. A Garmin's a watch. And I just say to them, OK, first, I want, all I want you to do is take it off and go out. Just go run. Because I don't want them to time themselves. You don't want to look at pace. That's important as a long term goal. But in the short term, you just got to get your legs moving. And be a little bit more specific. You can talk to somebody to get the specifics of maybe how you'll train for that. Do you know? But mm. I always think it's really easy to say just go out running. But unless you have a goal, and I'm all about having an end goal. It can be short term or long goal, long term. But unless you have something to strive for, it's really hard to get going.
0: Oh, hundred you know? percent. Totally. Like running reminds me, like when you say running, when I decided to do this podcast, I wanted a podcast, right? But i didn't know how to do where to go what mm-hmm. i just said and like running just start just start somewhere go for a walk do a little jog stop start do whatever but go in the direction because you know at the end of it you wanted to be a runner mm-hmm. and i want to do podcasting so uh, i just said i'm gonna just do this one day i'm just gonna yeah. get out and i'm gonna walk run whatever same the same equivalent for podcasting. Mm-hmm. and i would say that to anyone just start because if you if you're sitting there planning 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 it's not, like, it's not gonna happen
1: no and running is the type of sport that if you do it, if you persist with it just a little bit, man, you reap those rewards massively. Like if you go for, if you can just go out for five or ten minutes before work, I can tell you your working day, you're just going to, you'll actually be more energetic even though you've just used energy. Do you know what I mean by that? Like it's, it's a, it's hard to describe and that's why I just say I don't like talking about it too much. Because I just say to people, just do it and don't overthink it. And come back to me when you're finished. Whether it's a one-minute run or a five-minute run or a 30-minute run. Just, just sum it up in one word for me. And all every time they come back to me, it's always like, awesome, um, deadly feeling, um, you know, those endorphins. And I know that's kind of cliched, but hey, it hasn't changed from 20 years ago. It's the same.
0: Oh, yeah, no, there's, there's great research. There's great uh support with it for mental health problems or mental health so like people that have had mental health problems going out and running mm-hmm. and it yeah. releases endorphins and there's but then there's other people it doesn't work for you know it's about finding your own but whether you be, become a runner there is a sense of achievement you, you get you get back from it I did run one time I used to do like 10k three a week
1: I can actually tell because to me running gives you kind of that childlike spirit just to have fun in life and you call me Benjamin Button but I'd hit hit you right back. Oh, you're the no. exact same. It keep like you know keeps you young, keeps you vibrant, and I can tell that you're that you have run before. I oh, know
0: I did. I was doing do three. I was doing three a week, and a, a sports injury guru in the college one time says to me, "You've yeah. got Achilles problems because I kept getting." He says, "You're doing a lot of road running, aren't you?" And I was absolutely delighted when he says, me, "Stop running." <laughs> I
1: don't have to run anymore
0: because <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I was getting really into it like I was doing three a week three ten K. that's, pretty that's awesome, getting me time yeah. down and down and down and down
1: gosh that's a lot
0: yeah I know but that's what I do
1: I know you go at it or you don't ah, go at all oh yeah, yeah yeah it's balls to the wall <laughs> or
0: nothing Made <Can laughs> yeah, are 100% man
1: yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah
0: so come here. what advice then would you give to, to people just to get them running Is it just to get out what's your thoughts
1: hmm I suppose number one Don't overthink it. Number two, get a buddy. I think it's massive. Do you know? You can outrun your love of running, but you can never do it if you have a girlfriend beside you because you'll always have something fun to chat about. And that friend, there's going to be some days when she's exhausted, and it's funny, you'll get an uplift when someone else is tired and you're not. And you actually want, then you'll be the one texting, going, hey, let's go tomorrow. I think we're doing okay, even though she's dying. And then there'll be some days where it's the opposite and you'll feel awful, but funny. You might start feeling like, oh gosh, my friend's getting faster than me. But then you'll get that competitive edge. So to me, having somebody, just one person that you can be accountable to, doesn't have to be a coach, just get a friend. Um, And I've actually seen it in this hospital. I won't name any names, but I've seen it um, with two of my really good friends in the hospital. They're accountable to each other and I've seen their performance just go from strength to strength. They don't, like, I'm supposedly a coach to them, but I'm, I've am i not been a very good coach um, because I can see that they're coaching themselves. So to me, it's just do it, but find a buddy. Yeah, I keep it short and sweet, Matt. That's
0: Definitely, yeah. I love it. Yeah, and I have to say, and I'm going to nail in on a the point there about getting a buddy, not only for the running part, but just exercise and running, any kind of exercise. There should be the social element. For sure, yeah. Like, people go, like, I've seen posts, they will go to the gym, people on the phone, headphones on, all this kind of thing. I go to gym. I love talking to people. Not surprising. <laughs>
1: like, <laughs> I used to get nothing done in my gym sessions because of that. I love
0: you know? talking to people. Like it's Sometimes okay. I leave the gym. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. It's brilliant that you yeah. say that. And sometimes I have really deep, meaningful conversation with people that I leave the gym going, that was actually better than doing bicep curls. I know that's not true, <laughs> but it was nearly as good. no you know
1: what? Um, I just started, um, I'm, I'm doing about a lot of biking this past year and my sis is like, what? You're going out for a five hour bike ride you are crazy and they're going if only she gave it a shot because it just means I get to talk to my friends for five hours do you know Fantastic. versus running the longest run I would have ever done is max absolute max two hours which I probably wouldn't feel like talking for those whole two hours yeah. but uh, doing it find another sport where you can keep on talking you know it's 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 cool when you have somebody to do it with
0: absolutely the yeah. social side Did you, when I ran the first 10 minutes were a nightmare. It was like, oh, you're not good at this. I hate this. This is crap. My legs are sore. One of my legs going to fall off. Oh, Whatever. I could think of every excuse. And I used to watch myself thinking, <laughs> you are bonkers. And then all of a sudden, I turned into, Mo oh, far after 10 minutes, my arms were going. And all. I was like, check me. I'm like a gazelle. And then you're probably booking your races
1: in your head. Yeah. But if you think about it, Matt, I actually, I thought about this this morning. So I got up out of bed. For the first 10 minutes, just when I woke up, I don't want to do anything. So it happens in any any realm of, of life. Mm. No matter what you start, if I'm starting a report, I'm going, oh, man, this is hard work. But once I get into the flow, I'm going, gosh, I know this person inside out. No problem. Let's finish it off here. Yeah. If you're making dinner, the first 10 minutes of you making dinner, you're going to be like, oh, this is so much effort. Why did not I just go to McDonald's? And then once you're over that 10 minutes, you're like, this is going to be a great dinner. So you can't just put that That's it's not just running.
0: Anything. It's anything. Like when I do a report or like a college something a college a assignment. assignment yeah. I would just go, right, I'm gonna start my assignment. I do a cover page and write my name, <laughs> my college go. number and then I leave and go, I've started my assignment <laughs> yeah. And the next day I go, oh, should I should have it? and someone said, Did you get that started? Yeah, I haven't started. Little did I know, I only put a cover page on it.
1: But hey, it you've was a start. Over, you've gotten over the, the bump.
0: Yeah, you know? exactly.
1: And that's, it. yeah, there you go. It's, just it's in doing. running. It's in, it's in anything you do. So don't just think it's in running and stop. Because you wouldn't stop in the middle of your dinner. You wouldn't stop in a report you
0: know? Mm. No, that's that's fascinating. That's fascinating. Jay's We're like a uh, guru aren't <laughs> Yeah, I'm loving this. Yeah. Like <laughs> we're well, like the Dalai Lama. <laughs> yeah. well, we're charging people for advice here. Don't follow what we do. We're just too bonkers. No, honestly, <laughs> uh come here, you talk about triathlons. Mm-hmm. How did you how did you switch over into that?
1: Um, definitely wasn't a plan at all. Um kind of fell into it. 2 years ago actually over 2 years but 2 2 years and a couple of months ago I got a really bad injury to my foot and I suppose up to then I'd never really been injured injured I had little niggles here and there and I always was able to get back into that level of intensity in running that I trained at in order to be where I wanted to be but this injury 2 years ago um, even though it was a small injury it was to a pretty important bone in my foot and I actually just could not get back to running no matter how much I tried and tried to get back to the level the amount of training ones I would do the sessions I would do to get back to the level of training I knew I'd have to be at in order to get to where I wanted to get and um, when I tried it just wasn't happening and so yeah I I suppose I had to stop and think a little bit did I want to just be um, not just be but for me it was a little bit do I want to just be a participant toe the line um, to try to enjoy uh, races here or there or everywhere or did I want to be a person towing that line, um going for gold with that competitive edge. And once I said that to myself, there was no question in my mind, I wanted to be a competitor. And so I had to accept that at that moment in time running wasn't gonna I just wasn't able to get back to it. So um I had been swimming anyway during my injury. I used to swim when I was younger, so I tried and now I had a 15 year hiatus, so I was back to the pool after 15 years and um, I started in UCD and because UCD is kind of halfway between here and um, between where I live and work, so it was a nice midway point for me. So I started in UCD and I was invited into this extremely eclectic group of swimmers that um, they don't book the lane, it's just whoever turns up is invited in and so we had people from a uh, South African Olympian to this woman that swims every single day without fail to people that used to be swimmers to triathletes in the group to another injured runner in the group. So I was just swimming and um about a year after I'd just been swimming, um, I there was a charity cycle actually for work here. Um the Galway cycle group were raising money for the pediatric programme. And um I'm I work with the pediatric I work in the pediatric programme here. And so myself, my colleague were like gosh we better show our support and participate in this. So this thing that we were participating in was a four hundred kilometer cycle. So I just borrowed a bike, you know, borrowed a pair of shorts from two of my OT, lovely OT colleagues, hopped on the bike and went for it. And I was like, oh, I'm never doing that again. Do you know, it was it was a slow pace, you had to stay in this Peloton and it was really fun at the time. But you had but never was,
0: cycled before. But I'd never cycled
1: before. So then I went back to the pool and I told my mates in the pool, especially my triathlon mates, I just did 400k, no biggie, you know. And they're
0: like, what? <laughs> you did
1: 400k? So they remembered this. And then one of my really good friends at the pool said to me one day, Bex, the triathlon season is kicking off. Um, and this was in June. Why don't you come and watch the first one? See if you like it. This was last year. And I said, awesome. Yeah, I'd love to do that, actually. Because I was just swimming and I was doing a little bit of running. But I wasn't competing. And that was a big part of my life gone. So I said, you know what? Let's let's go. Let's have let's see what it's like. And she goes, cool. It's in Carlo and we're going to cycle. And I said, oh, yeah, cool. How long is it? And she's like, 100k. I was like, perfs, no problem. And now I still didn't have a bike at this stage. And so I had no concept of how long... 100k is in the bike. So if you told me you're doing 10k run, I know immediately how long that is. But when someone says 100k in the bike, I'm like you're on two wheels to me, it can't be that long. So anyway, <laughs> I also did not know the for- caliper of athlete she was. I mean, you're talking a, an unreal cyclist. Like when it comes to triathlon, she's more a cyclist, do you know? And so here I was, us two, me going solo with her to Carlo and I died a death, Matt. I thought I'd be okay because like, you know i'm runner you know and um
0: totally different oh my God, uh, like energy system
1: totally different the legs muscles, the muscles you yeah need. you know
0: quad dominant hamstring dominant running. yeah oh, totally different
1: like it took us 4 hours to get there we missed the start because i was so slow but there was 10k left and we were in the middle of nowhere and i remember i knew i had my, my credit card in my pocket and like, if a big taxi comes by i'm letting her go i don't care i'm oh, going back brilliant. to I'm, I'm going back to dublin that that thought has never gone into my head in my life so Anyway, I got there, watched the triathlon. thought it pretty cool, I like was fine, you know. But in my head, I couldn't stop thinking, God, this is not cool.
0: Was that shot to your ego?
1: It was, uh, I, I tell you, it hit me a little bit that someone could be that much better than me in a sport. I didn't think God had never done this sport before. To me, it was just a sport.
0: We all should be able to do this year. Yeah. I yeah, should be wet at n- this. I'm a runner, I'm athlete. Yeah, yeah. I, I just,
1: I never I never had to think like that before. So when I got home and I was like, challenge accepted, I'm going to start biking. And um, yeah, she, so from about August onwards, when her season was wrapping up a little bit, she pretty much took me under her wing. She knew I was I was all in now. And I formed a lovely little group. And these people that I was surrounding myself with, they took me under the wing. And literally from September until my first race in June this year, I just put the head down. And I'd say some days I was on the bike seven days a week. Sometimes I was on five times. But it was just, I was just so motivated. Because I knew I was so bad. And I just couldn't accept it. And then the bike just became something phenomenal. Because you get to explore Ireland on the bike. Um, It was just awesome. So... Needless to say, I was dragged into my first triathlon because I was now a biker. I could swim and I was a runner. So that's how I came about.
0: I don't think that was by accident. You know? <laughs> do you know I, what I mean? We, we, you know we, what we, yeah, you went back to swimming. I, I'd say somewhere subconsciously in you, you, there was in you like triathlon because I could swim years ago. And I, Sometimes we, we make decisions and they're not by chance.
1: I, do you know what? Maybe that's why I was so, uh, you know, I, I was pretty persistent with the bike. No, I loved it, so it was easy to be persistent with it. I think all oh, my colleagues have heard about the bike ever since. But yeah, you could be right. I, it's never something that went through my head ever before, and We've, then all of a sudden, I, I just I don't think my first season.
0: Yeah, I don't think things ha- happen by chance. You know, we make little decisions that point us in the direction, and all of a sudden we're there. And you go, "How did I end there?" Subconsciously, you know, I don't know. The, the the mind works in mysterious ways.
1: I agree. I agree with you there.
0: But, I don't savage. think I'll ever understand it. <laughs> No, but it's fascinating, and I love the fact that you you overcame your you know your, your challenges within yourself that you <laughs> were going to get a taxi. It's funny. i talking to a <laughs> guy called uh, Peter Ryan. He done the talk here in the the RTU. He's a, a Paralympic, He does tandem gotcha. cycling, Brilliant. and he done this race around Ireland. He lost his vision. He's going to be on the podcast. Actually, I'm interviewing him tomorrow night. Unreal. But it's funny that you say that you were if you, if a taxi went by, I'm going to hop in it. He got so so delusional so he's on the back and the other is steering because he's visually impaired mm-hmm. he was hoping that your man would crash he was like i hope he crashes because that means then we didn't quit we had to stop and i could just stop but he didn't and i was like oh if he just crashes if he just crashes we'd and be grand we'd be grand do you
1: want to know the funny thing i think if he crashed what's his name peter ryan peter ryan would have been devastated and i think if, oh, a, ta- yeah, if no. a taxi came by I wouldn't have gotten it. But it's funny what goes through your head. Oh. Time is a weakness. Um, and you have to you, you, you have to accept that there are times there. But it's how you kind of take that on, turn it around and turn a weakness into a positive outcome. And to me, that's massive. And to me, sport, being so involved with sport, enables you to do that because there are too many opportunities for that. Do you know, I suppose you you train hard to be able to tolerate pain in a race. So training inevitably it's going to be rough but the whole idea is you have to get to that point where it's tough where it's rough and you have to learn how to challenge your mind to overcome that because that's what happens in a race and then when that hits in a race you're so ready to rock that you love when that pinching point comes because you're like awesome I'm ready and then you get to the other side of it and so that's why I love being competitive and that's why I love competing so much. Because it's, you can't wait for that point to hit. Even though that point is the roughest point in the race, you just cannot wait till it hits because you know how much you've prepared for it. Yeah.
0: To get it. Oh, 100%. I'm sitting here going, man, I can think of so many times. Well, I'm not a competitor. I'm not, I just love going to the gym, but like, even. But in the gym set? Yeah, no. I, even for an exam I used to rock up the tallow and I was doing my exam and I'd be buzzing and I'd be like what's the and see the fucking <laughs> the funny tablets again I get it, yeah. and I'd be like oh, I'm so ready for this I'm going to blow this out of water and I'd go, like, i like I wasn't being cocky it was like I can't wait to get down here and do you this you need on the work oh yeah I put in the hours and I you know a mature student <laughs> everyone used to hate us like <laughs> shut that. the fuck up mature students oh here we go another great story but yeah I was like I'm ready for this exam this is my opportunity to shine you know what I mean and that's but your pinch
1: point yeah Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not uh, just me
1: I'm delighted to hear that
0: come here we've covered injuries we've talked about injuries I was going to ask you about that what it would be interesting in nutrition yeah. as an athlete what do you do nutrition mm-hmm. sleep and play these are the most important things that I like yeah. to, to look at um, nutrition, sleep but more like sleep, play and then nutrition What and what's
1: I love that you actually corrected that and did say sleep and play because what? nutrition you can't you can't just think about it as a separate entity to me it's not that easy no. actually the easy part is the training the training is the easiest part you know what time you have to be at somewhere you know what time um, you know what set you're doing and you've chosen to be there it's the, everything in between. The nutrition and the sleep and the recovery, to me, are just the hardest parts, especially when you're full, you're, you work full-time and here you want to train full-time. So, like my running coach used to always say to me, um, uh, this is your job. And I was like, it's not my job. I just came from my job. And he said, no, this is, this is another job. You can have two. So I, felt, I, 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 always, I always I always remember that because to me then, nutrition, sleep and play it's like a whole other side of things as well so it's like you have to balance three things and for me I don't get too hung up on my, tri- my nutrition I think a, your ability to, to train so to get through a training session motivates me to eat well because anytime I don't I can't train very hard so to me I take my day and I I, I get this wrong a lot of the time and I have to correct myself and I, there's a lot of trial and error with my diet but I try to see it see it, see it like the king the queen and I actually have another king so the king is my breakfast so I've trained in the morning and I want my breakfast your breakfast has to fuel you basically has to help you recover from your training but it has to fuel you for your day and be be your base for your next training session so I try to have you know as much protein as I can in the morning um, to rebuild what I've broken in the morning in, uh, in the session in the morning but then you need your carbohydrates to give you your energy and obviously you need your veg to keep you, you know, healthy, to keep those vitamins on point. So I try to just incorporate it. I, just, I just think those three things and they can be in any way in every single meal. Then it comes to lunch. I'm addicted to the wraps and the NRH. But actually just this week I have, because season's over, so I'm back to starting fresh again. I'm back to having, you know, your chicken fillets, your veg and sweet potatoes or some kind of carbohydrate. It can be anything. I'm not too fussy.
0: Do you monitor it or do you just no, go at it?
1: just go at it. Okay. Um, literally to do my big shop on the Sunday and I'll have those three main meals and then my dinner will be quite similar.
0: Do you cycle um, like do you do you worry about like carbohydrates, fats, the protein, do you, do
1: I just worry about my protein. Um, because you're doing you're breaking down your muscles. I'm delighted so that you said much. that. I'm yeah. delighted you said that. Like, I think a lot of endurance athletes don't realise it. And I
0: don't mean to be sexist when I when I say this, but this is from my own mm-hmm. experience from dealing and working with ladies in strength and conditioning class. They're very worried about putting on muscle, getting bulky, and they've said to me, Oh the protein and when I used to mention protein, straight away they think chicken. And then they think <laughs> Madonna, big muscles. And I'm like, if it was that easy, man, I'd be all over that. Uh yeah, so it's cool that you said that. Yeah, it's important. Well, I'm like
1: oh in everything you do, in any whether you're in the gym, whether you're for a run, whether you're on the bike, for a swim, you're breaking down muscles. You heal your muscle by eating protein. So to me, if you don't have protein you may as well not have put yourself through the tra- that training session that morning.
0: 100%. I'm talking um, to a physio at the moment. She's doing a marathon, and I, I keep texting. I, I, well, I'm not keep it. I was only texting last night. Mm-hmm. How's the eating? How's the eating? Like, yeah. like recovery is key to you. completing the race, sleeping better, everything, you know.
1: But I think there's a lot of um, misconceptions out there about protein. And I think the way it's packaged, um, you know, you see the advertisements for it. It is associated with muscle mass. Yeah. And I suppose, and I needed a bit, you No, know, I'm probably a little bit opposite than the females. I love muscle mass. So to me, I'm totally cool with that. But actually, my training partner um, is the opposite. She, she just wants to be lean. She wants to recover from her sessions. And so it was actually my strength and conditioning. So I had to seek out information on it. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't have all the answers and I, I certainly don't know, know everything to do with sports. So my strength and conditioning coach, you know, emphasised the importance of it to me. Maybe but he did sense. it in a way that was meaningful to us as triathletes and women, not not just a generalized, you know, have protein, it's good for you kind of way. And I think for me, that that was the selling point a little Brilliant. bit. You you need to have somebody that understands you. Um, but I think every every woman for sure needs it. Everyone, and needs, every needs biological,
0: chemical, every biological process in the body mm-hmm. requires amino acids. Yeah, you know. It's there just, you go. It, any cell action needs mm-hmm. it. You know, and it. It, people just associate with muscles, hair, yeah. nails, anything hormonal yeah. production, but yeah, people are just worried about getting big muscles.
1: I know, but sh- hey, if 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 it did give me big muscles, yeah, I'd be jumping for joy. No, I've been trying to get my muscles to grow for years now. Um, I'd be piling on the protein if that was the case. Um, and evidently, it, it is. <laughs> I eat a lot of protein, and I'm still pretty small. Nah, so okay. um, yeah, I to me, once I have my three main meals a day. Um, containing the right amounts of the protein, the carbohydrate and the veg. Um, I eat what I want. But when you train so hard, what you want is generally, it's okay. Like it's, I don't eat a lot of bad food because I know everything I eat is a source of fuel. that has to be utilized, you know. But now everybody in the speech language therapy or the canteen or the shop knows I'm addicted to my Coca-Cola. And I think it's okay to have your, your bad stuff as long as you've had all the good stuff you need in your day
0: of course so course. you know, it, there's no, I yeah. don't believe there's any bad well I do trans fats are quite bad yeah. but generally food is not bad unless it's eaten in copious amounts yeah. and you're well over your caloric yeah. of the day and you just do that boy because you expend a lot I'm not saying expend more eat less I'm not saying that you just do that anyway mm-hmm. and then you just within a eat within a certain budget you don't overeat you don't look like someone you're yeah. in great nick as an athlete what about sleeping though is that big on your
1: to me that's the, probably the hardest thing to get right and unfortunately it is the most important
0: oh, un- um, because
1: uh, my, my unbelievable. coach used to always say the magic happens when you rest the magic happens when you recover and like I said to me the training is the easiest part but that's not when the magic happens so um, I'm not great um, because I well because of the way that, I suppose my lifestyle is I train in the morning I go to work I train in the evening I want to go home and cook so by the time I get home and cook, I wanna be able to chill. I might want to meet a friend. It's pretty late. Mm. So um you you need it you need some downtime. To me, downtime is just turning on the T V and watching anything, chatting to my you know, my flatmates. Um so I you know, I try to give myself the ten thirty curfew of getting to bed. It doesn't always happen, but if it does, great. And I, I definitely see the benefits of it the next morning. I wake up pretty early, i five o'clock rise the next morning, so there's not much wiggle room. Um, to get it wrong, and learn when I do same, get it wrong, the same, yeah. The same. So it's always top of my head. It's it's key, and I I once I said this season was over, and I'm I'm one week into my new season, I've actually just said go to bed at ten thirty. So I'm I'm doing much better at it because I have always understood the importance of it. But I'm a big big advocate for naps at the weekend. So if my friends are like lunch at one, and they're going ooh how about three in my head I'm like so I'm back from my training and I'm like nap is 1 to 2.30 do you know I just love them would you do that oh Matt it is my th- I get into bed I put oh. on my pyjamas
0: yeah, people slag and me because I can sleep on my lunch here
1: oh I could sleep standing up it's me too yeah it's awesome I, look, yeah. I just love sleep
0: great for um, reducing growth hormone uh, there you yeah nap power naps <laughs>
1: and do you know what I actually truly believe less than 20 minutes is perfect
0: oh but Absolutely. I just have more
1: time at the weekend. Yeah. So I, I take advantage of that. And I'm so happy when I wake up. That's great. And that, so that's my, I call that my catch up sleep. But I'm a t- big advocate for if you can sleep during the week, get it in. If you can sleep during the day, go for your little naps. Um, Yeah, to me, that's just as important as the nutrition side of things.
0: Oh, a million percent. Yeah. I put it up there my line of, my list of things to do would be breathing. So oh, yeah. Just the bread. That's pretty uh, important. The, oh yeah, with the top. <laughs> then we have sleep. Yeah. Then we have like environment and stressors and, and play. Play is a huge part, you know. Do you give much emphasis on that because you're a professional in your job in the national rehab, uh, you've got your serious training. Do you give much time on your, your play as in break from it, like me friends and
1: Do you know what? It's it's like it's really in- I absolutely do. Um but it's actually something I was discussing with my um with my training partners assuming this morning. They asked me, "God, how did your two-week break go there? Because I was saying to them two weeks ago, cannot wait for my two-week break. I am going to do nothing. You won't see me here. I'm going to lock the bike up. I'm going to go home from work and just sit on the couch. And um, So I finished my season two Saturdays ago, and on Sunday, I took the whole Sunday off. And on Monday, I was back swimming in the pool. Could not hack it. And do you want to know why? It wasn't that I was addicted to the sport, or that I wanted to work out, you know they become your best friends. Mm. So the people that I've surrounded myself with are the people that you're with day in, day out, day out. You have so much in common. You have the lols, the banter, the crack. You know each other inside out and they're your best mates. Um, so I actually wanted to go back to... So I, I did, like, I might have done half my swimming session and I persuaded them all to come out and have breakfast with me. So to me, that's a big part. But then you have, I have my other kind of groups of friends that aren't into sports and totally respect that. And I'm... I absolutely I think it's so important to put aside time to make sure that you're continuing to meet your friends and actually I think that injury I got two years ago absolutely put things into perspective for me because when I was just a runner it was running 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 and you know I was going to go here I was going to be that I was going to do this and then I got injured and I was like gosh you know what It's, it's actually not the most important thing in my life um, there's a lot more important things than that so I think it's probably was a blessing in disguise and so now um, even though triathlon training definitely takes up more time for some reason I can do more so I see my friends every weekend if I want to go out on Saturday night I go out on Saturday night I'll be sensible if I've got a race coming up I'm um, a big fan of lunches versus nights out I love going to the cinema so I think then after doing them it's funny, you're, you're more spurred you're more excited then to hit it hard again the next day
0: do you know right. what I mean oh, absolutely so
1: yeah it's it's hard to get the right balance but when you get into a routine and when you when you become more consistent you can maintain that Um, and to me that's pretty really important
0: deadly yeah savage just touching on something you said there you have a strength and conditioning coach yeah how often do you do that
1: so I go to him with my training partner so we go um, as a duo every Friday and then so, so that's with him and then he gives us a program to carry out every Wednesday so minimum twice a week, um, and people I suppose do ask me why I'm doing weights, squatting, lifting when I'm an endurance athlete because like my shortest race mat is is sixty five minutes.
0: Did so people ask you why do you do that? Yeah,
1: because they're like, would you not be better just going for another spin, another session on the bike, or another swim? I would have broken down again. I would have totally got another injury.
0: Absolutely. And
1: I wouldn't have got the success I wanted for myself this year if I didn't have the strength to get through all those training sessions I have to do and um, and yeah I, to me it's absolutely vital and I have actually realised after my training after my racing season this just finished there that it's even more important than I realised it was Um y- yeah as well as the endurance part a big part of it is the strength your leg strength your arm strength um, even your mental strength knowing that you can lift something heavy gives you this toughness that will get you that will get you through a tough part in the race um, but it helped me race often, and to me, if you train that hard, I want to race every single weekend. I don't want to be this athlete that has to race once a month because I have to recover from those long, strenuous races. And I could race as often as I wanted because I knew I had the strength to get me through it, and I was pretty confident I wasn't going to get injured. Um, because I put my trust there. I did put a lot of trust and faith into my strength and conditioning coach, and he, you know, he well deserved it as well.
0: Brilliant. No, I love that you say that. You know, people think it's about, you know, building muscles, doing strength. It's you know, injury prevention. Injury
1: prevention. Right. Like the go. muscles
0: that you're, you're not using also need to be strengthened. Ligaments, knees, functional movement. Yeah. All these things. You can pick up niggly injuries, you know, picking your bike up out of the shed or getting into the pit, whatever, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. It's not just about.
1: It's, it's doing, doing the kind of the stuff that you do every day. So the stuff that you don't think about. That's when you get your injury.
0: Yeah, you picking know? up the mo control, the, yeah. overreaching <laughs> and your lats go or something. Or your, yeah. I mean, I said to you, I was picking me me folder up off the floor in the gaff. And I was like, boy, that's because you don't train. The <laughs> unfairness, you know, though, so my
1: friend uh, that I that I do my training with, um, she was uh, explaining the benefits to some of our other people in our training group, to, you know, to encourage them to do it. And so I was like, going, yeah, like, guys, oh, injury prevention. And she just turns to me and she's like, Becky, all you want to do is show off your guns. And it is true, Matt. I can't help it. You know, it's nice having a bit of muscle. It's nice not being like a weedy endurance athlete anymore. Um Yeah, it's cool. So, hey, what did <laughs> the I say- SLTs are well used to be doing that. <laughs> what
0: did I say to one of the trainees in the program today? Uh, education is important, but having big biceps is more important. Or... <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's not the size of the car you drive. It's the size of the arm hanging out the window. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I am taking that one. I wish I had my notebook. Yeah. Oh,
0: we could be banging these out all day. Uh, so what competitions have you got coming up at the moment? Is there is there anything? So,
1: well, I had, so I was in the national series, which is the triathlon gig that I did. So that just finished up two weeks ago. So that was my, that was, that was that's what I was training for since last September. And within that, you have to do minimum four triathlons. Um, you often do a lot more, but your best four count and for every race, there's a certain amount of points, depending on the the amount of female competitors that turn up for the race. So you can actually have the most competitive race. But if there's only 100 women in the race, you mightn't get as many points as another race that might not have been that competitive. but There was 500 athletes in it. So it's a bit of a, I've learned that it's, a, it's, it's so different than running competition. You have to be quite strategical about it. Um, but for me, I just, I'm sure I knew nothing. I I was just turning up to triathlons this year and giving it a whirl. So I did six triathlon this, races this year. Three or s- five of them were sprints. And then one was the kind of the longer the Olympic distance because you have to do one of them. Um, and then Triathlon Ireland will choose your best four. And it comes down to there's a team prize. So in Ireland, you want to be the best club team. So female club team one prize there's a mixed club team so the best three females in your club the best three males in your club you'll put you'll tally all their points together and compare them against all the other clubs in Ireland and then there's the individual um, the overall standing Um, so for me that was those three were the big goal for me um, this season so at the moment that's all finished so I'm just I've just finished off season so I'm back trying to target the same well next year will hopefully be, be a different but that's what I've come from
0: Deadly. Yeah, it's cool. Wow, uh, I know you said you had a strength and condition coach. Do you? Do, do your club have a nutritional coach?
1: So, um, triathlon clubs are a little bit they run a little bit different. So, triathlon clubs will have a biking coach, a running coach, and a swimming coach, but they're all quite separate. So, in triathlons, um, a lot of athletes actually employ pay for their own coach, mm. and so um, it's, it can be expensive enough. Whereas in the running world, any coach I had was a volunteer, and you just had one sport, so it's it's it's, a, it's a total it's a totally different setup. Um, so there's no so there's just those three coaches, but you're in this club where there's an absolute wealth of experience from people that have been doing this for so many years. There's so many backgrounds when you get to know people, the different backgrounds they come from is, is quite incredible. So you learn a lot if. You listen, and if you ask questions, and for me, I was just a sponge this year. I was joining anybody and everybody who would invite me to along to a session. I decided to be self. I decided to coach myself to not go down the coaching route because I didn't know what I needed help in yet. It was a new. It was a whole new sport for me. So instead, I just um, yeah, I I tried to take on as much information and knowledge and experience from the people that I was training with, and a lot of them have nutritional backgrounds. Um, have been in the sport long enough to understand that nutritional side of things so you wouldn't have a nutritional coach uh, per
0: se I decided this year to take on a nutritional coach as a girl to work with is my mate Carolyn Harvey from ISA Nutrition Mm -hmm. so I decided to hand over I wanted to get down to a certain body fat percentage and because I work with lots of people and my time constraints you know I said to her I want you to be my nutritional coach and she just took away all the thinking from me
1: that's amazing
0: fantastic one of the best things I've ever done as a as a professional, as a human, uh, to leave my ego at the door and let somebody tell me what to do. Because I have a background in science, nutrition, yes, yada, 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 whatever. i said to her, do you know what? This is actually not working for me mm-hmm. because I'm emotionally or, or whatever reason. Yeah. You know, my own difficulties with other stuff, forever." I said, I'm going to follow your plan. That's one of the best things I've ever done. I was like, I think this amazing, is brilliant. Yeah. You know, she, she didn't produce magic. like She does produce magic and she got an amazing skill set but it was handing over control to someone and she just makes all the decisions. And you know, did
1: you stick with it? Did you find it hard? We're
0: 20, oh, unbelievable. It's one of the yeah. easiest things I've ever done. Really? It's one of the easiest things I've ever done, I promise you. We're going to do an interview with myself with Carolyn, Carolyn oh, Harbour from OSA Nutrition. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to sit down and go through what, what we did it was brilliant. It was deadly. Like it it's one of the easiest cuts I've ever. I've done cuts before and got body fat down. And then yeah. I give up because I wasn't sure if it was working or making an emotional decision. Oh, I'm doing well. Have another burger. Yeah. I'm doing brilliant. Go on the lash. You can pull it back on Monday. Yeah. Well, she's like, no, no going on the lash. No doing that. No text. I was thinking of doing this. No, you won't. That's not part of our plan. I'm like, all right, Grant. And it was the accountability. And she's got a scientific background. So I trusted her. I don't trust a lot of people.
1: But I think it's when you're handing over something as important as that to somebody you have to build trust first. So for me I'm the same as you I'd have to build trust and then I'll give it 100%. Yeah. You know? And like
0: she has a, a huge experience in bodybuilding. She has a huge experience oh, in, in life. You know, she's, she's, she's got a great set of skills other than nutrition. You know, she brings like what we do with our job here, yeah. not just an SLT where everything else, yeah. and we throw it all in the, in the mix and we go at people. Yeah. And she has that skill. Center. It, it's it's mad. I, I just couldn't I, th- be- I think
1: it's brilliant. Because I think what you were probably doing before is you were being so persistent. I think when you're persistent, you can achieve something. And you did, you achieved, you know, the way you achieved a leanness. But if you're consistent, you'll maintain it. And sometimes I think if you can hand something over to somebody else, they'll help you with consistency. And I think that's so important.
0: And accountability. Yeah, accountability. And, and the, way I, the way I was seen is I'm representing her and her company. Yes. And I'm, I'm not going to let her down. Mm-hmm. And I, Like I'm a team player. I never used to think I was a team player, but I'm actually all right. Uh, and I'm a doer. <laughs> yeah, I know you something. Go. I was yeah. like, oh, actually, if you tell me what to do, I generally do it. And I know you think, no, nah, I'll just do whatever I want. But no, I am compliant to certain things. You because you're
1: so used to being dedicated, driven, and you don't want there to be a slip up. But it's funny, because this year was the one year, I suppose, I didn't have accountability to somebody. So my entire life, I had a coach. And this was my one year after I got injured. I decided, you know what, I've learned so much from them. I'm going to see what I I'm going to put the knowledge into practice and see what I can do so this year was weird it was so strange approaching race season and I had to come up with my own taper I had to come up with my own nutritional plan You know it was it was a sense of freedom but I miss I have to admit you know guidance. I, 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 I missed being able to take my mind off it so normally you can just put Your mind on work,
0: yeah, yeah, and that's and what she sport, does for me.
1: Sport is taken care of, whereas I had work and then I had to add race prep, and I was like, Oh, do you know it was something I wasn't used to, but it was interesting, it was really interesting. I'm glad I did it,
0: yeah. And um, she says to me, Now she let me off, she says, No, I won't be, she, I won't need her forever, but she says, I want to bring you through a cut. Like she's competing, bodybuilding, and, and figure shows, and she says, I'm going to just bring you through it, and then you'll be able to do this on your own once you know you've done it once before. You, there you go, once yeah. you've, she says, You've never gone beyond the barriers of because this is a oh, major headfuck. okay like I wake up some morning and think I look like an absolute bag of shite, and i would be texting. <laughs> she "Goes, don't believe it, don't believe it," because in ten minutes you're gonna think, "Jeez, your shoulders look great, or your arms look great." And I would, I'd be going by a mirror, going, "Oh, you actually look all right."
1: And there's that a minute ago
0: I was crying,
1: <laughs> but oh. there's that ten minute window we talked about. Yeah, don't believe anything in that ten minute window. Remember? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, know. yeah, yeah. And like, it's coming down to that as well. I wake
0: up in the morning, I get on the scales, and go, "Oh, nothing worked. Oh, I'm giving up. <laughs> I'm just throwing in the towel." And she was like, "No, you're not." <laughs> no you're not no you're not she's brilliant she's got fair play oh she's balls like a Bengal tiger uh, <laughs> another one oh she it's definitely
1: something I'd love to do
0: um, she's a hardcore. she's brilliant coach she's really good and really knowledgeable and I, I I, can't wait till her company kicks off and people realise how good she is yeah. uh, she's in with a few boxing clubs and she's got a young lad down to cut weight uh, by not starving him she's done a, I don't know exactly what um, she's done. I'll pick her brain when I get on to her again uh, she just she didn't starve and she just done it well pulling things in pulling and to things me that's out. the
1: important point you shouldn't have to starve you know um, to see results because that's not going to be sustainable
0: no I've not been starving on this this is just being hard this is just being work to me this is like just doing something yeah. it wasn't like I never went oh this is really extremely difficult and I was crying it was just
1: it's cool. It's like a goal every day for you.
0: Oh, Look, man. I
1: did it. Yeah, I did it oh, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two, I'd be going to bed on a high if I actually stuck with a food plan. <laughs> I did. find that really hard.
0: oh yeah, I know. I'm very anal. Like I was okay. weighing bread in me mass today. I was like, if I was doing it, you're get like your brother.
1: My brother has a weighing scales.
0: I've three weighing scales. I just... I one in the job, I've one in me mass, <laughs> and one in my house. I'm, I'm just... you know what
1: well, my strength and conditioning coach he's fantastic in fairness to him he um, he's like a nutritional coach for me as well mm. and he gave me um, a plan last year when I was starting off this triathlon gig and it did say like I don't know 40 grams of, of protein and, and so I just <laughs> I was like they're going <laughs> <laughs> and that must be two chicken fillets and then he was like I don't know 50 grams of uh, carbohydrate I was like awesome I'll have three sweet potatoes there and he's like, and a cup full of broccoli. I'm god, who is going to put broccoli in a cup? <laughs> I'm just going to throw in a saucepan and eat whatever is cooked, do you know. So I'm definitely not like you when it comes to that. But uh, I, but a lot of sports people are, do you
0: I'm know, anal as fuck. It's I, so do, I love. I'd be weighing butter. Like I couldn't. Me man, man, me man, me daughter were looking at me the other day. You swear I was at the taking a shit in the kettle, right? <laughs> they were looking at me weighing bread and weighing butter and thing. I was like, this is how you do it. This is what you do. And she goes, no, that's what lunatics do. No to me that's
1: like to me that's proper legit I, I love that because it shows that that's important to you that's your goal and nobody is going to come between you and your drive to achieve that
0: I'm falling out with my mates over Carvery they're like are we going for Carvery <laughs> on a Sunday I'm like no it's low carb day and I can't equate for what the people in the team going alright you're like your woman out of friends what's her name Monica or something <laughs> yeah like I was, here's one for you I was going to go into uh, do you know Boujon? <laughs> Yes, I love right. Boujon. Yeah. I love brita yeah. bowls, but I don't know what's in them. So I went in one day with me weighing scales.
1: You know oh, you don't how know how much carbs, how much
0: sauce. And I was going to ask the girls to weigh everything, and I bottled it. I bottled it. I If was you do that, let me
1: know because I'm going to go in with my video camera and we'll put it up beside your podcast.
0: <laughs> I was going in, I had her in my bag, and I was like, Can you weigh the food? for, You know, I just couldn't do it. I was just like, Can I have a bowl, please? <laughs>
1: you <laughs> can't know what's in it a spoonful of things but I actually you know I totally respect that because when I see my brother who's more of an athlete like you he was a rugby player he's big into the gym y- you do have to be a bit more stringent to achieve certain goals
0: oh yeah you so can't guess it you can't, you, can't. you can't guess it
1: and so for you a big part of your sport is nutrition and the requirements a big part of mine would probably be um, for instance the intensity level I do a specific bike session at um, how long or how fast a run is so to me that's more than nitty gritties with me and it's just fuel whereas yours is I need to get that right in order for that that weight session to
0: pay off the devil's in the detail
1: there you go yeah, yeah. and that's why it's so that's I think why we're drawn to it
0: yeah it's uh, because it's, the detail yeah absolutely yeah. jeez yeah but uh it, Part of as well for me was a sense of achievement because I have all these qualifications and I felt like a fake. Now, I had a great conversation with Rose Cortis about this man that she met and he's a he's a he's a guru for change and yes. but he has fluctuating way up, down, up, down. But he says, Look, I can I, I deal with training on change management, but yes. I have struggles with me change. And I'm going, Jesus, that's so poignant.
1: But I think um Sure. I was actually once, I was talking to somebody recently and it made me think about speech and language therapy. I'm a speech and language therapist and I have often come in with a hoarse voice. I know exactly what I could do to help myself overcome that hoarseness. Mm. Do I do it? No. Do I ask one of the other speech and language therapists to help me out? Totally. You know, you want someone to, it's, it's easier to ask someone else to help you out than to do something yourself almost, even though you're equipped with the knowledge. Mm. There was a physio um, who I saw in courses, and I always think, gosh, physios, should, they're invincible. Like if they <laughs> if they have an injury, surely they can see it coming on and they'll stop it. But like, that's not the case. So normally what you practice and what you know a lot about, you actually need to seek assistance. You need to be okay with going to somebody else and saying, hey, what do you think? Can you help me out a little bit with that?
0: Absolutely. Um, and, and I think... It- yeah, that's fascinating you said it because I did talk to Maria Frampton the psychiatrist about that. A lot of doctors in America for, over four hundred or more die a year by suicide because they don't seek the assistance of mm-hmm. other professionals yeah. And to me, I was like, Do you know what, that sounds like me. No, like that I wouldn't seek the profession because in that that industry is like, oh, you should know it yourself. Or I was like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for this.
1: Well, for sure you'll become better now in your in your industry by seeking out knowledge from your peers because I think in this day and age, as well as having the internet or books. Uh, to me peers are the biggest resource and the best resource we'll have I'm a
0: student of life yeah. I, I learn all the time I don't know things and I'm, I'm delighted to say that I don't know because all I ever say to people jeez I didn't know that that's deadly mm-hmm. tell me more about that
1: yeah that's yeah. it I to- totally get it it's like when something complex com- comes through the door you know my, my twin always a- I, well, I always ask her God you not get bored in school teaching what's like is, is everything not the same and she's there going Becky that's like me asking you is everything not the same in speech and language and I totally got it I was like god if every day was the same I'd become so bored and I love the way here you know every day is so versatile so dynamic you don't really know what's going to come through that door that next week and you're excited to see because it means you're going to step up your, your know how a little bit more you know and you'll never have all the answers and I kind of like that about the job I kind of like that about my sport uh, I think if we did have all the answers we'd be so bored
0: oh absolutely, you know? absolutely. on that note for people listen to mm-hmm. the interview, listen to you, what's the one thing you'd like them to take away from this interview?
1: Um I think a lot of the interview we we did talk about sport and you know, overcoming hardships, overcoming bad times, um trying to turn that into, you know, a positive outcome. And what I've learned a lot from that experience is being grateful for your body and treat it well. And if you can do something do it love what you can do because there will come a time inevitably when something that you love doing is taken away from you and you might only realize then gosh I love doing that so if you can appreciate and be grateful have gratitude for what your body can do now you'll more than likely go do it you'll more than likely grasp those opportunities you'll put that mind those negative thoughts to one side and you'll give it a shot because you're able to and this is really cheesy, but actually I was just talking to one of my patients up in the ward today. And he goes to me, um, I can. And I said, yeah, you can. And it made me re- think of, remember when Barack Obama was here and he was like, it's Fagerlin." Lynn. It made me think of that. Like, yes, you can. If your body's able to do it, appreciate it and go and do it. And you won't regret it for a second.
0: Deadly. I, I sometimes do wonder. I wish, wish, not wonder. I wish that these were uh, videos, and I will be moving into the uh, the, the video uh, <laughs> no, I'm
1: glad I, video. I see podcast. my hands going hey, haywire. No, I love
0: that. Like <laughs> you just you come with so much enthusiasm and passion, and it's as genuine and it's as real. It's, I love spending time with you. I love when oh. we bump into each other on the corridor. I leave after gaining and some, and I'm just delighted to have you on the podcast. And I hope people get that. I hope they get it from your voice because you sat here for the last hour and five minutes we're smile on your face
1: <laughs> I think we and you were here for longer but <laughs> yeah no we've done a lot of talking before this
0: absolutely but you you, you, you sell running like it's a wonderful it's, wonderful thing like you, you, you become a unicorn or something like you go <laughs> run I, I'm nearly going to buy a pair of Lycra shorts and go running
1: well do you know just, what Matt it's very easy to talk to a like minded person so everything you've just said there is mirrored in you so oh, it's you, easy to smile when someone's smiling back at you
0: yeah, like, so, I swear uh, to God not one of us has had a drink before this interview there's no drugs <laughs> taken in the making of this interview I promise you uh, Becky I love having the chats with you it's brilliant Likewise, you're a great advocate for, for everything exercise is you're a great advocate for speech and language therapy in the hospital you're a a shining beacon (laughs) of a human (laughs) thanks very much for coming on the show thank you
1: so much, appreciate it Matt
0: Okay, so there wraps up another tremendous interview as always I'd like to thank my supports Niall Reilly from Rooney Media Niall has been in the graphic design business the last 20 years and producing quality work for the last couple of years they've been the chief graphic design for the college prospectus at UCD Um, I've been using his services the last I don't know, 10-15 years producing posters for health and fitness stuff and always, always produces quality work, so check those guys out also, my old pal Carolyn Harvey from ISA Nutrition for anybody interested in dropping body fat, gaining muscle maintaining a healthy body weight getting rid of some nutritional ailments she's your woman if you're also interested in competing bodybuilding competition, male or female I would recommend her I am currently working with Carlin Harvey. And the success has been phenomenal. I have done a review already. And I plan to do more. But if nutrition and strength addition. That area is something that you'd like to get coaching. Or advice on. I would check it out. And the prices are really, really good. Really good. Better than a lot that's out there. So I recommend you check her out. Also, Miel Crew. Kevin Doyle. Sound editing and just producing. And just support. Absolutely legend, Kevin. And Miel, mate. Aaron Keogh, social media, lads, you are brilliant, the team uh, would be lost without you. Okay, so that just leaves me to thank my listeners, thanks a lot for listening. I will urge you, please, 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 share this with family and friends. We are on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, all the kind of podcasts, mediums that are out there, we're, we're on them right the way across. We also have a YouTube channel, uh, so check us out on that. Please go on to iTunes. Please subscribe. Please leave a delicious review. We love it. Absolutely love it. So that's all the plug I'm going to do for this podcast. As always, I will say to you, please show yourself compassion. Please spend some time with love and kindness in your life. Because if you are kind and loving to yourself, you will project that to the rest of the world. And if we all could do that a small percentage of our day, the place would be a nice, nice place to live. Right, wherever you are in the world, mind yourself. Have a great day. Bye bye.